This podcast, Arts at Nine, is coming to you from the Sudbury Theatre Centre in Sudbury, Ontario, Canada. It was originally broadcast on the community radio station CKLU 96.7. Weekly, it delves into the art scene in Sudbury with interviews, music by local musicians, shout-outs to local artists, and, of course, a fascinating featured guest. Today, you will meet Catherine Smith, Festival Director of Jazz Sudbury Festival, as well as Tyler Fauvel, extraordinary and acclaimed local sculptor, along with jazz musicians who both live in Sudbury now and who have left Sudbury going on to perhaps bigger and greater things. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Arts at Nine on CKLU Radio, where it's all about arts and artists in Sudbury, Ontario. I'm your host, Judy Strawn, and we kick off today's show in conversation once more with John McHenry, Artistic Director of the Sudbury Theatre Centre. John, here we are again at the Sudbury Theatre Centre in your recording studio talking about the thing that we love most, the arts. Mm -hmm. Nice to see you, Judy. Nice to see you too, John. (laughs) We just keep showing off and doing this every week, don't we? We do, (laughs) but but when I say nice to see you, I have to say I kind of sneaked into seeing East Link and seeing us on East Link television. Have you done that yet? I did. I watched it as well. What a cool opening graphics, though. I missed that. Oh, you did? I, I tuned in late. I wasn't going to. Oh, the opening graphics are well worth tuning into. Well, Stuart from Eastlink told me that Chris has done an excellent job on it. I I wasn't going to watch, um, probably because you know what it's like to watch yourself. It's oh, painful. I know. It is very painful. I, I do not like it, and I do not like listening to myself either. Mm-hmm. So here you are doing and radio and television. <laughs> So anyway, uh, for those of you who aren't sure what the routine is, you will hear us on CKLU at 9 o'clock on Wednesday mornings, but you can also watch us on Eastlink, but it's three weeks, it's a show that we did three weeks ago. It is. They're a little behind at Eastlink. <laughs> Don't tell them that. And, and they have some editing to do. They, they do have some editing to do, which brings us to another point. How is Eastlink editing this? Well, it, we, we do record it live, live to tape, right? But Eastlink, um, you don't listen to all the music if you watch on Eastlink because they have some obligations to their sponsors and commercials that they, that they throw in during that time. So we on the radio are playing artists from Sudbury and they are playing commercials. <laughs> Is that what you're telling me? That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> okay. You heard it first from John McHenry at the Sudbury Theatre Centre. John, today, uh, well, we do have some guests that have something to do about with music. Who do we have today? We do. Um, Tyler Favell, the sculptor, is coming in. And if our viewers and listeners don't know who Tyler Favell is, I'm sure everyone has seen the Stomp and Tom statue outside of the Sudbury Arena. That is one of Tyler Favell's. I am looking, I am so looking forward to talking to Tyler yeah, Favell. Who I'm, else do we have? I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him again. And also, Catherine Smith from Jazz Sudbury is stopping by to talk all things jazz. So we'll have jazz music and jazz everything today and Tyler Favell. Great show. Absolutely. And we're not dancing today, correct? 
well, I'm danced out from last week. Exactly. That's what I was going to say as well. <laughs> and then I found out I want to lead and I don't want to follow. So yeah. what are we going to do? But let's talk a little bit about music and your growing up. Was there music in your life anywhere growing <laughs> up? Well, it's funny. There really wasn't. You know, um, the TV was always on, uh, but not music. I, I took music at school, you know, as, as just a music lesson, but there was no music program and I don't play an instrument I wish I did I think I would like to have learned how to play the piano it was just not an option for me growing up I feel you played something you must have played the sticks or something at school Come well, on. I, well I do play a mean triangle and I can knock the hell out of a cymbal um, but we all we all took the recorder at school everybody took the recorder and I have been known to play um oh the, the and I've forgotten the name of it already. The Melodia Melodia. The Melodia. Ah, yes, the that's what, what it is. What is a Melodia? It's it's like a, a piano that you blow into. It's a little Is it a grand piano? Not a grand piano, an upright. Yeah, you blow and then you press the keys down the side. We didn't have that in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Your loss. <laughs> Our loss. I didn't have any instrumental music at all in elementary school. But when I went to high school, I went to a school that had a great music program. You're not going to believe this, but they took all the grade nines and they tested us in music. If you could, if you had an ear or if you could play anything, you got to take music. Otherwise, you had to take art. Is that not an archaic system? You had to take art. So the losers, in a sense, that was terrible. So anyway, I came home. The music teacher, Mr. Boland, gave me the option of playing only one of two things. He said, you have braces, which I did. I glittered for three years with my braces. He said, you can play either the drums or the flute. So I went home, and I said to my brother, he said, the drums or the flute. He said, no sister of mine will play the drums. (laughs) Hence, I played five years of flute. (laughs) Not very good at it. Oh, I don't believe that for one minute. No, I wasn't. No? In the big orchestral pieces, you could just fake it because you didn't make much noise. Yeah, but why wouldn't your brother allow you to play the drums? I don't know. Did I, he play the drums? No, he's, he's very musical, and I don't know why. I guess it was a sexist thing at that time. Oh. Women, girls were not playing drums. Only recently do you see bands with, uh, with girls playing right, drums, so right. I think it was more, it was more that. Um, the Joan Mantle Trust Fund, that's something that, well, Ralph McIntosh here at the Sudbury Theatre Centre, he's big into that. He really is. He's the driving force. He really is. And the reason that there is a Joan Mantle Fund is because there isn't enough money to ha- keep these music programs going. Sad, isn't it? It is very sad. And, and it's and getting worse, right? You know, schools chip away at the arts bit by bit every year, I think, which is... Really sad. Mm-hmm. So I'm so glad that people like Ralph are raising money every year and that music will continue. I had a great little discovery recently downtown. You know the Old Rock uh, Cafe? Yeah. And that's very close to the Sudbury Theatre Centre. And John will occasionally get a cup of tea there, not a cup of coffee. Absolutely. I was in the other day, and you're not going to believe they have a brand of coffee called Jazz Christmas. So I thought, 
Here we are talking about jazz today. Here's the coffee jazz. What a great gift that is to maybe put the coffee together, a bag of the coffee. I bought a full bag. The bag of the coffee with some kind of jazz recording Absolutely. or something. So what great, a great gift giving. Great gift. Too bad they don't have jazz tea. I'll check it out next time. Would you? I will. I'll do that. Because I'm there if they do. I'll do that just for you. John, we have shout outs. We do have shout outs. Today's shout out comes from Joanne Camiso, a retired educator, a musician, and a member of the Hilltoppers band that plays dances at the Minnow Lake Legion. Well, not during COVID times, but you know what? That Hilltoppers band is the only one left out of all the dance bands that we used to have here in Sudbury. No more dance bands. How many would there have been? Uh, my friend Carol in Ottawa, when I asked her, she counted off about eight of them that used really? to be around not that many years ago, but there just isn't that call for the big band dances anymore. That's right. So Joanne Camiso, anyway, part of the Hilltoppers, has sent us out a shout-out. What did she say? She has. I'd like to do a shout-out to Sudbury musician Peter Scherzinger, who is an amazing trumpet player. He is a quiet, thoughtful jazz head and a monster on his horn. He plays with beautiful tone, great range, and lots of sensitivity. And he's a generous player who ups the game for everyone who plays with him. I've heard him a number of times, and he's, he really is a talented guy. And the shirt singer name, his um, nephew plays as well. And his nephew was here in your program at the Sudbury Theatre Centre as a kid growing up. Oh. So that shirt singer name. Uh, have you ever tried to blow in a trumpet, John? I don't think I have. Is it? It's a mysterious that instrument to me. Three little keys. Yeah. And the rest of it is all with your mouth. Well, it's all, like all musical instruments, really are remarkable to me, not playing anything. It's mm -hmm. like, how do you get that sound? Like mm -hmm. the violin. I've, I have air fiddled. I've played the... You've done... Excuse me? Say I've that air again. fiddled. I have played the fiddler in Fiddler on the Roof oh, a couple of times. Oh, air fiddled. Oh, I understand. Faking you it. You get it? Faking it. Faking it. Okay, you're a fake fiddler. I'm a fake fiddler, I am. I wouldn't have known that about you. Before we meet Catherine Smith from Jazz Sudbury, and before you take your union break, Mr. McHenry, let's listen to a tune from the album, A Life to Live, by Sudbury's Afro Madness Friends. It features Dominica Frobetta on vocals, with Sudbury musicians Alan Walsh, Tony Simpkin, Tony Jergalis, Nathan Stewart, Blair McNally, and today's shout-out trumpeter, Peter Schertzinger. And by the way, vocalist Dominica Frometta won a talent contest on a global level, performing in front of over 16,000 people on the very same stage as Ricky Martin, Mariah Carey, Brian McKnight, and Rod Stewart. Here's Dominica Frometta and her Sudbury Afro Madness friends with Live Life.
Joining us is Catherine Smith, Festival Director of Jazz Sudbury. Catherine, who comes to Jazz Sudbury by way of her theatre career in Toronto and with the Sudbury Theatre Centre, finds herself in a rather unique position this year. Welcome to the show, Catherine, Festival Director. (laughs) We're both laughing because why? What happened, Catherine? (laughs) <laughs> Hi, Judy. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, yes, it's a it's a bit interesting. I, I'm with Jazz Sudbury for a one-year contract. I've, I'm taking on the, the organization covering for Ashlyn, who's on maternity leave. So uh, it's, it's a very short contract with this organization. And I began in March, two days before the city was shut down and everybody was sent home from work and school. And we all started to panic. I can't imagine what it was like to be you. I, I have no idea. You're into a brand new job. And you're probably, for people who don't know, uh, the Sudbury Jazz Festival office is in downtown Sudbury. 
So you're probably even booted out of your office, are you? Yeah, at first, uh, Ashlyn and I had a day and a half in the office together, which is not enough time uh, together in an office to learn how to organ uh, take over an organization like that. So we spent a day in the office together, um, and she was, you know, right about to, to have a baby. So she was even, we were even more concerned about her, her safety at that point because we, we didn't know. Um, so we made the decision to... Um, the Jazz Sudbury office is housed within the Sudbury Community Foundation offices. So when they made the decisions to shut everything down, uh, we began working from home, uh, me from my home and Ashlyn from her home, um, trying to teach me in one week how to run Jazz Sudbury. I'm sorry, but all I can do is smile because actually here we are six months, seven months into it. Uh, you're still smiling. You've made it and things are actually happening. Yeah. But before we get to what you're doing now with Jazz Sudbury and what is happening, let's go back to, first of all, for those who've never been to the Sudbury Jazz Festival, what was it like? Where was it? It was uh, it was held in the Grace Hartman Amphitheater down uh, you know on the on the lake there uh, and also some downtown venues uh, across the the core the Alibi Room the Fromagerie and places like that um, it was a full five six day festival it it originally happened in September but this year actually they had made the decision to back the date up by a month and it should have happened at the beginning of August um, we we made that choice for weather and for a variety of different uh, audience feedback reasons um, so it it should have been uh it should have been in bell park it should have been at the amphitheater and in a bunch of downtown venues and and then of course as soon as all of those venues and and the city venues were shut down we had nowhere to go you had nowhere to go mm -hmm. i've been to all the sudbury jazz festival since it started and that venue on the lake it, it's extraordinary but i must say it was cold. Yeah, I've 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 been once outside myself, and uh, my my in-laws are, are attend every year, and and that was definitely feedback that my mother-in-law gave me, and part of the reason why we backed the festival up into August was to hopefully alleviate some of that discomfort. I was really excited that you had backed it up too. <laughs> to August but we will look towards next year we will look toward again sitting at the lake it doesn't get much better than sitting on the shores of Ramsey Lake it's listening true. to some great music and not just Sudbury artists great artists from all over Canada Absolutely. and probably beyond uh, year maybe last year I can't remember they added a new element there was the jazz walk as you said but they added an element called Bourbon Street which is straight out of New Orleans mm -hmm. so what what was Bourbon Street about um, an attempt to um, it was a couple of different things uh, the the jazz walk became the New Orleans jazz parade um, which just sort of lent itself to the idea of a Bourbon Street closure um, and we wanted to expand the programming of the festival um, beyond just the music but to incorporate some other sort of artistic discipline so shutting down a portion of the street allowed us to bring in some local artisans and acrobats and whatnot to really create sort of a fun family vibe uh, unfortunately the weather did not cooperate with that you know what I had forgotten that <laughs> because the acrobats they were on a high wire yeah. they were on and it started to rain yeah yeah and I, I don't mean to laugh but it's it's disaster waiting oh, to yeah. happen, and they yeah. just they just yeah. cut it. And best that was laid it. plans, right? When you do outdoor events like that, you're kind of you kind of make all the plans. But at the end of the day, if the rain comes, it comes. The rain comes. That's it. Yeah. You have had some huge names at the festival over the years. What are some of the names that kind of stand out? Well, I think the um, I think the people listening will definitely recognize names like um, Julie Black. Uh, the Downchild Blues Band, Holly Cole has been here before, um, Carol Wellsman was here last year, um, Robbie Botos, 
Kevin Turcott, a couple of locals. Well, and I think the festival mixes it. We have oh, yeah. really, yeah. Um, I must say, extraordinarily talented jazz musicians here, and they mix them in beautifully. They have the main stage. They have smaller venues. There's lots going on. Catherine, um, let's have a listen to two of these world-class musicians who have returned home to your Sudbury Jazz Festival to play. Uh, they are Kevin Turcott and Reg Schwager. Do those names sound remotely They do sound familiar. familiar. Oh, yes. So first of all, Kevin Turcott. Now, you may or may not remember the Ethan Hawke film that was shot here in Sudbury. It was a big deal. Ethan Hawke was wandering amongst us. As a trumpet player for the film Born to be Blue starring Ethan Hawke, Kevin Turcott channeled the spirit and artistry of Chet Baker. The sound is so sweet you can close your eyes and believe it's Chet Baker. Then he went further and he played both Miles Davis and Dizzy Gillespie in the same field. This is a Sudbury boy. Mm -hmm. Now, he doesn't live here any longer, but we can still say he's ours. Absolutely. So we certainly both know of him. Next is Red Schwager. Again, a Sudbury boy, a leading figure in the Toronto jazz scene. Reg Schwager's a four-time winner of Canada's National Jazz Award for Guitarist of the Year. Schwager's work with the world-famous George Shearing, with Diana Krall, Peter Appleyard, Rob McConnell, and many others. Wow, he's done it all. And he can be heard on more than 100 recordings with world-class artists. And I have to throw this little thing in, Catherine. When Red Schwager was 16 years old, he was my son's guitar teacher. Awesome. <laughs> we would go to pick my son up, and we'd say to Reg, play something for us just for a minute and he would wail as a 16 year old on that guitar are you ready to listen to reg schwager and kevin turcott who no longer live in sudbury but we will hear them playing with dave young in weaver of dreams
was Kevin Turcott and Red Schwager, both Sudbury boys. They don't live here anymore, but they will be eternally our boys. Catherine, you and the board of Jazz Sudbury have managed to keep jazz things alive during these COVID times. Can you tell me about what's coming up on the radar? Sure. Um, I'm pretty excited. Um, we, you know, when everyone lost their jazz festivals this summer, Canada wide, um, um, the Calgary Jazz Festival um, started an initiative, reached out to everybody and said, hey, we all can't have our festivals. What would you think about maybe coming together to do a big online festival? Um, and we all jumped on board really quickly. So I'm pretty excited. Um, I think we think it might be the first sort of of its kind, um, a coast to coast week long um, um, virtual jazz festival. Um, our date is the 14th of November, and as you mentioned, our no longer uh, Sudbury guys who are ours always. Um, I'm super excited. So our offering will be some of our local heavies, um, known as the um, Borealis Quartet, which is um, Alan Walsh, Brian Quebec, Tony Simkin, and Jack Bronton will play here. We're actually going to record that tomorrow night. We're going to send all of that music and video to Toronto and Red Schwager, Kevin Turcott, and Christian Overton are all going to play their parts on top of that. We're going to mix it all together and we're going to make a beautiful concert. I can't wait. And when you mentioned Christian Overton, honestly, in trying to choose who to play today, because the show is only an hour long, honestly, Christian Overton, a show could be done on him. He's such a good trombone yeah. player. Yeah. I'm so glad that he's going to be part of that. Yeah, I'm really, and these guys are all, I've never, I hadn't ever met them before, mm -hmm. but they're all very gracious and, and just really excited to uh, to be a part of something and, and certainly really excited to be playing with the quartet. That's, that's kind of right. neat. So that's to look forward to, mm -hmm. and you have something else to look forward to that has to do with a movie that well, we just talked about. Yeah, we do. We thought we'd uh, um, do a, fun, a bit of a fundraiser. The, the Sudbury Indie Cinema, um, maybe as you know, uh, has been so generous and has reached out to all of the arts organizations in Sudbury and offered an opportunity for partnership or or whatnot and so we're gonna do a fundraiser there we're gonna screen the movie and uh, and you know we'll charge some ticket price for that and we'll have a bit of live music there and hopefully folks will come um, more just to keep the jazz people together and you know remind them that we're still here we don't want to lose anybody before our festival next year so we're looking forward to that event also so the movie is coming back without without the Ethan Hawke walking around I don't town. think Ethan Hawke is coming I don't think he's although coming. I haven't asked so I'll, I'll <laughs> give it a try so if I see a guy with a mask on that I don't recognize it might be it Ethan might Hawk. be Catherine Smith thank you for joining us today and thank you to downtown Sudbury BIA for arranging the interview my pleasure Judy thank it you it has been our pleasure Jazz Sudbury is not to be silenced by COVID. Jamie Dupuis, a Sudbury guitarist composer, is widely known for his guitar and harp guitar expertise. Yes, harp guitar. Who knew? If you have not seen that instrument, I suggest you Google it. It's quite amazing. And get this, Jamie Dupuis arranged Pink Floyd's Comfortably Numb on his harp guitar, and he has over 19 million views on Facebook. 19 million, so do check that out. Four years ago, Jamie won first place at the Canadian Guitar Festival competition, one of the finest guitar competitions in the world. Here's Sudbury's jazz guitarist, Jamie Dupuis, with The Sounds of Silence.
That was Sudbury's Jamie Dupuy on guitar. And yes, jazz will not be silenced in the city of Sudbury. We need to do more jazz, more jazz on this program. We have so many extraordinary talents in this city. If you love jazz, try to catch Alan Walsh's Jazz Show on CKLU 96.7 on Wednesdays from 2 to 4. It's really well worth it. Alan is president of the board of Jazz Sudbury. He knows his stuff. He's really enjoyable to listen to on the radio. In a few minutes, another Sudbury treasure walks into our STC studio, sculpture master Tyler Fovell. Many of you know Tyler Fovell's statue of Stompin' Tom Connors in front of the Sudbury Arena in downtown Sudbury. But we can't talk to Tyler Fovell about Stompin' Tom without listening to just at least a little bit of Stompin' Tom Connors. And of course, it's Sudbury Saturday night. Take it away, Tom. The girls are out to bingo and the boys are getting stinkle. We think no more of bingo on a Sudbury Saturday night. The glasses they will tinkle when our eyes begin to pinkle. And we think no more of bingo on a Sudbury Saturday night. With Irish Jim O'Connell, there's Scotty Jack McDonald. There's Hunky Frederick Herschel getting tight, but that's all right. There's happy German Fritzy there with Frenchie getting tipsy. And even Joe the Gypsy knows it's Saturday tonight. Nell and Mary Ann and Mabel come to join us at the table and tell us how the bingo went tonight. We'll look a fright. But if they win the money, we'll be lapping up the honey boys, cause everything is funny for it's Saturday tonight. Yeah, the girls are out to bingo and the boys are getting stinkle. We think no more of bingo on a Sudbury Saturday night. I'm your host, Judy Strawn, and you're listening to Arts at Night on CKLU 96.7, on Eastlink Television, on Channel 10 and 610, and on the Radio Player app or our podcast. We are everywhere, and we have been listening to Stomp and Tom Connors because in front of me is Sudbury's Tyler Fovell. Tyler Fovell started sculpting as a child and has been a professional sculptor for a dozen years. His public monuments include commemorations of Indigenous military heroes and activists, cultural figures, Canadian mining pioneers, and military commemorative bronze, to name just a few of his works. His sculptures are in collections in Canada, the United States, and Northern Europe. Tyler lives and works in Lively, a suburb of Greater Sudbury, with his wife and partner, Jana. Thank you to the Sudbury Arts Council for inviting Tyler into our studio today. Welcome to the show, Tyler Fovell. Thanks for having me, Judy. It's such an honor to have you. I'm very excited to talk about the great things going on in your life. But because we we have to start with Stomp and Tom. I mean, really. Of course. Of course. (laughs) Everybody always wants to talk about Stomp and Tom, including the artistic director, John McHenry, who loves it. How did you get that commission? What's the story on Stomp and Tom? <clears throat> well, after uh, after uh, after his death, it was something that I had been considering for some time, and it just kind of uh, came together with a, a, a local group that was wanting to do kind of a similar project. So uh, when they reached out to me, it was already something I was it was it was already something I was passionate about and wanted to do. So it was uh, it was it was very easy for us to come together and decide that this was something that was important. I mean. 
when you think of Sudbury, you meet, anyone you meet in the city knows that song and, and how it has some way it affected their life along with uh, all the stories you hear. I still get people that call me to this day that'll say, oh, I have a story of Stompin' Tom and he, you know, he was at my house or I went to his house and, and it's always some disaster occurs. He's such an interesting and, and fun guy. It was just a, it was an, it was a privilege to be part of a project like that and to finally have a piece of artem to you know, the community that I work in. So I, I can't imagine you, you get this commission and now you have to start to do some work because you have to decide the size of it and what he's going to wear, what he's going to look like. How do you start that work? Well, with Stop and Tom, it wasn't as challenging as some other pieces are because, uh, you know, his iconic stance and his pose was, was something we couldn't get away from. We couldn't have him seated. There was talk of having him seated, and quickly that was put to why would he be seated? It's Stomp and Tom. He, he, he stomps his foot on his board, and he sings, and, and, and he sings about Canada and about all of us. So we very quickly came to the decision it had to be that. As far as the decision of how, how old to make him, we just decided, you know, let's make him a fairly young man when he was playing in Sudbury and and still was kind of unknown. And I think that that was, you know, that was kind of the story of Stompa Tom, right? He was this guy that traveled around and, and uh, sang stories about all of us. So I think that uh, it was an easy decision on how to, how to make him stand and how to make him play and what guitar to put in his hand, of course, was a Gibson hollow body. And uh, so I think the, for the first time, it was probably one of the easier parts of my job. <laughs> of course, sculpting is not easy, but the, the, the design of it came together fairly quickly because what else could it be? Well, Stomp and Tom, you're right. Stomp and Tom has been was around Sudbury a great deal. He used to come to Laurentian University and play concerts there. Uh, one of the places he played in Sudbury all the time was the Brock Dan Hotel. That that really well, it sort of exists down Highway 69. It still exists. And I must say, just as an aside, the first date my husband and I ever went on was to a Stomp and Tom concert. So there you go. I'm a Stomp. I'm a Stomp and Tom fan myself. So when you start doing the Stomp and Tom, as I imagine all your other huge sculptures, what, what do you start with and what do you put on top? Like, what's the process? Uh, well, depending on the piece, there's different processes that go inside of a, of a sculpture. Like that sculpture was almost entirely solid clay with a steel armature. Uh, and then basically you bring in things like I bring in a Gibson hollow body guitar and use that to sculpt and then have to give it back later or bring in a, a cowboy hat and use that to model from. So it's important to try to get as much of that right as you can. But basically, you know, as far as the piece goes, it was just hundreds and hundreds of pounds of clay. And then when it was done, it had to go out a two story building because my old my old studio was on the second floor. So we had to bring a big forklift in and it was going out the out the side building with him standing there and all the traffic was stopping and people were looking at stopping Tom playing guitar going out this, this side window of, uh, you know, 20 feet in the air or whatever. So I hope you have a few pictures of that. <laughs> I think I think there's a few kicking around. So because I know nothing about sculpture, you start with this clay, you're molding it, you're then what is it you put on uh, on the outside? How do you do it? Is it a pouring process or a painting process? What is it? Well, once the sculpture is uh, in clay, it goes to my foundry in Toronto, and the foundry in Toronto then does a, uh, a process of, uh, of molding and uh, hollow casting in order to do a hollow cast of the bronze, and then the bronze is assembled, and that's just done by welding with bronze and that sort of thing, and then it's finished, and the uh, patina goes on top. In that case, it's a liver of sulfur, which is uh, a, a chemical that alters the look of the patina because bronze is actually quite sandy looking it doesn't have the, the bright that dark rich um, brown color with the highlights that you that people associate with it so it's a light sandy color and then that, uh, that goes on and then a hot wax goes on and there's some other things going involved in that too of course and then that gives you that patina color that uh, that you see uh, today out front of uh, out front of the arena 
you know, when I'm talking to someone who does painting, I can understand the process that they went to school, somebody showed them how to paint, and they got really good at it. Where on earth would you start to be able to do that and know all you know? <laughs> well, when I was young, I, I was always interested in sculpture. I had uh, artists in my, in my life growing up, and it was something that I always wanted to do. I was going to save it for when I was older. And it was always like, oh, it's going to be my retirement plan. I'm going to be a sculptor. And uh, my wife had come across when we were, we were working and we had a fishing lodge that we were running together of all things. And she come across a, a box of my work and encouraged me to start sculpting again, bought me a kiln for, I think it was for my birthday and, and some clay. I don't use those types of things now, but that's how I started. And then from there, I started creating work and people started wanting it. And uh, my actual, my first uh, major commission was the three seven foot bronze monuments in uh, Timmins. Just a minute, your first commission mm -hmm. was a three, three seven yeah. foot tall bronze. <clears throat> Yep. That must have caused a few sleepless nights. Yeah, it was my first. Well, I had a couple of little commissions before, but nothing above, uh, you know, 24 inches. So I went from doing a 24 inch, you know, quarter life uh, sculpture to a seven foot, which is a one and a quarter life sculpture with, to be honest, no idea whether I could pull it off whatsoever. I, I, I took the commission, no idea whether I could do it or whether it would be the biggest flop of my and the, sh the shortest career on earth. And that would be it for me as a sculptor. But luckily, it was something I just turned out that I, that I was that you know, I was relatively good at, and it was something that I could continue to pursue. And uh, I do things a lot differently than I did then. That was that sculpture was done almost entirely from wax, whereas now I work entirely in clay, in water, uh, oil-based clay. So do you ever a, visit that sculpture? Have you seen it? In the I last go few up years? fairly often. Uh, uh, Timmins, I have four pieces in Timmins, and uh, actually Timmins uh, is, is really good about their public art. I, I go up there every couple of years, and I clean their entire public art portfolio and wow. uh, and refurbish it all, so it all looks you know looks the same as the day it went up. So it's it's actually nice too because I get to go. Uh, every few years and visit mm -hmm. the work and see how it's aging and uh, and get to stand back and watch people engage with it and I never tell people who I am I just like to watch people and see what they think mm -hmm. right you just had a huge weekend recently um, October 17th I think it was you were down yes. in Coburg <laughs> Th this was a massive event can you tell us who you did a sculpture for the woman that um, that you cast and why was she she was important to Canadian history? Well, uh, the project uh, was uh, a, a life-size bronze sculpture honoring uh, Fern Blodgett Sunday. She was the first female uh, wireless radio operator to go to sea. She served during the Battle of the Atlantic. Her ship made more transatlantic crossings than uh, than any other ship in the Allies. Uh, and actually, she, the, the ship of Mosdale was one of six sister ships, and only the Mosdale survived the war. So this was a time when women were not allowed on ships. So she was uh, often, she grew up in Coburg and she would uh, spend her, her, her youth uh, at the lake and looking at the, 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 the ships go by, the steamers go by, and she always dreamed of being of a career at sea, but she knew that didn't make any sense for a girl born at the end of the Great War. So after World War II broke out, she, uh, she wanted to find a seafaring way to serve her country. So she, got, she found out there was a shortage of uh, radio operators uh, so she had actually went to night school. She was a stenographer at the time in Toronto. She went to night school and uh, two schools actually refused her. They told her they never had a woman student. They weren't going to start now. So, but eventually she found a third student, that a uh, third school that was willing to teach her. And uh, she received her second class wireless operator certificate, the first woman ever in Canada to receive that honor. And then next thing you know, she was, uh, had to deport in Montreal and, and actually the, the, the captain of the ship became her future husband. Well, I thought that was a really and interesting part of the story <clears throat> that 
it's a deep sea romance <laughs> during the war. She's making what seventy seven crossings or yep. something like that in a ship, and uh, has this romance, and then they end up getting married, having children, living in Norway. Yeah, right? they they moved to Norway after they. I don't know if their plan was originally to stay there the entire time, but uh, uh, the captain Gerner had actually died at sea, not during the war. After the war, he died suddenly at sea. And uh, she decided to stay in Norway. It was the only home her, mm -hmm. her daughters had ever known. And uh, yeah. So th this is a, this is a huge deal for this you know Canadian woman and and people and relatively unknown, probably relatively unknown Absolutely to unknown. almost everyone yep. in Canada, not realizing this woman is doing this work. So mm -hmm. you get this commission, and now you have to find out all about her. Right. And you have to choose the exact right pose, the exact <clears throat> right everything. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, the project itself was actually, uh, I was approached by a member of my, my team because I have some people that volunteer with me and uh, uh, Deborah actually, and we all work together to find the odd project here and there. Most of my projects are all commissions, but the odd time we find a special project that we think more Canadians need to know about. And she'd approached me and asked me if I was interested in uh, creating a monument to Fern and, and all those who served during the Battle of the Atlantic. And uh, I could see she was extremely passionate about it. And I said, well, okay, give me the details for sure. And then uh, once I saw the details of the story and her, the, amazing journey that she made I, I knew this was one of those special projects um, so as far as coming up with a uh, with a design we had approached uh, uh, you know people in Coburg and put together a really great amazing amazing group of people that were willing to, to work and get this project going uh, but uh, the project uh, the design actually came much later because it, it took me a long time to live with her story and figure out exactly how I wanted to, to show her and pull in that wave and that idea of the wave of social change that came in for, for Canadian women in, in the storm of war and so eventually it actually came to me I, I was dreaming one night and I dreamed of the unveiling and that's where I saw the project so it happens more often than not it's a kind of interesting thing about my work well, well I was watching the video <laughs> last week of the unveiling and you know, people should really go and check this out. It was a huge ceremony. Mm -hmm. There were dignitaries there. It was a, an absolutely enormous event. And of course, there is your sculpture covered over waiting for the unveiling and I get so excited to see what it's going to look like and it's just it's so dramatic and wonderful and to see the way she's glancing back. The wave though that she's got her hand on, you did something that was to me just wonderful under that wave. What did you do? Uh, it's a relief that de uh, that depicts uh, merchant ships and naval convoy. So it has the the ships that are that were involved. So the Mosdales in the front, and then you have different ships that were involved, like the Athenia, that was the uh, first ship that was sunk during World War II. That actually led to was kind of marked the start of World War II. We had the Hawker Hurricanes in, in there, which are the, the airplanes that Elsie McGill was the chief aeronautical engineer of Thunder Bay. So we wanted to bring in some stories of women, right? So. So she, she was known as the queen of the hurricanes because it was her that, that changed the plant in Thunder Bay to be able to mass produce them. The Athena marked the, with, the, with that sinking of that ship, it was the first, uh, that was the first casualty of, of the merchant marines and it was a stewardess that was uh, from Quebec. So we tried to tie in a lot of those things and uh, I also had in the distance, I had two little outlines of, of U-boats just to represent that danger that claimed thousands upon thousands of allied lives. So what happens if we go close enough to this sculpture and we look under the wave, we can see all of the, there's an extra richness there. The sculptures, if, if we look at that one and we look at Stomp and Tom Connors, they are 
what I want to say ground level. They're not mm -hmm. way up on a pedestal 12 feet high. Is that what you normally prefer to do or have you done ones way up on pedestals as well? Uh, my first three monuments were the seven foot bronzes that I did. I put them on pedestals because back then it was what I assumed sculpture was, was supposed to be. I didn't have a lot of experience. So since then, I've tried to put all my work on the ground. I like people to be able to engage with the sculptures, touch them. I like people to be able to take pictures because it's, it's how you learn and engage with, the, with, with those subjects. I also don't like overly large pieces anymore. I want people to feel like they're there with that, with that, that, with the subject. So mm -hmm. with Peg McGobble, they can, you know, they can stand with him or Shannon, they can stand with her and they can kind of, uh, in a way, kind of experience and feel that kind of passion that maybe they had and mm -hmm. sort of maybe experience that, that same way. So I think it's an important interactive quality to be able to have people engage directly mm -hmm. with the pieces. And it's something that, that I, I, I actually fight for often when, when we do these monuments. So. We're going through um, a troubled time right now mm -hmm. when it comes to monuments and comes to sculptures. I mean, we've had certainly damage done at the grotto here in Sudbury yep. where, where they've been beheaded. They've mm -hmm. actually been beheaded. We have uh, pictures in our minds uh, on the news of sculptures coming down. Being, I can't imagine what that would feel like to be the sculptor mm -hmm. and have somebody turn against something that you've done. That, that would be heartbreaking. Have you had any damage ever done to anything? I, I've been lucky, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that because, you know, next thing you know, tomorrow will be the day. So I've been lucky because uh, <clears throat> in a lot of ways, and I mean, I don't blame other artists because history changes. History is so complicated that you can't blame somebody to create something years ago that maybe they didn't know the, the proper history, as we all know growing up that, you know, I, I never heard of residential schools when I was in, when I was in, in, uh, in school through history books. So, I, so there's some understanding for the artist, but as far as my work, I've been lucky. Uh, the, the closest thing we had is somebody put lipstick on Stomping Tom one day. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and so we removed the lipstick, and that was about it. And then and a couple had a people mask on him. Mask, put a mask. And I've seen yeah. a, a couple hats, and somebody put uh, a Christmas scarf on him. So I've been fairly lucky, and I think that has to do with the subjects that I that, that okay. I often choose. Mm -hmm. I've always been very uh, protective about about who I who I sculpt. I if I don't believe in the work, I don't do it, which is often a problem. I've I've, I've had to say no to projects before because they just weren't weren't things that I, I aligned myself no with. I think saying no is a good position to be in to be able to say no. Yes, that's what you want. I'm going to give you a little wee Tyler Fovell test right now. I hope you can okay. pass a test uh -oh. on you. <clears throat> I'm going to name a location, and you're going to tell me what monument is there that you've done. Okay. Penetang machine. That is uh, John Grave Simcoe and the Circle of Nations, which was uh, honoring the Huron Wendat people. <clears throat> Timmins. Well, that's that one's complicated. We've got uh, Sandy McIntyre, uh, Jack Wilson, and uh, Benny Hollinger, and then of course uh, Chef Chanko. Wow. <laughs> uh, Perry Sound. Perry Sound. That's uh, Francis Pegamagabu, hero of the Great War. New Liskard. Shannon Kustashin. Uh, Cree Advocate for Children's Education. I can't stump you at all. <laughs> Chaplow. Charles Bice, the most highly decorated Indigenous soldier of World War II. St. Thomas. That's the uh, Afghan memorial for uh, the people that lost their lives during uh, the Afghan conflict. You know a lot of Canadian history. <clears throat> I try to. <laughs> well, look at all the research that you've done. <clears throat> you you know, you know things that we haven't even dreamed about. Uh, so thank you for bringing all of our history alive. And just to let you know that we love your River Otto on, our Otter rather, on the Rainbow Roots Trail. So the, uh, the Sudburyans who haven't been on the Rainbow Roots Trail that is in New Sudbury right next to the cemetery, uh, Tyler Fovell sculpture, the River 
Otter is there. You've also done a Tom Thompson and an A.Y. Jackson. Yes. What, tell us, uh, those aren't full sculptures that are outside though, right? No, those are interior busts that I did in my uh, metal-infused medium. They were, uh, I've always had a passion for the Group of Seven, maybe not for the same reason that a lot of other people do, like their work is iconic, it's beautiful, I love it, but what I admire most about the Group of Seven is how they went through the same struggles that artists go through today. People often think that these were incredibly successful men who, you know, everything they did, people bought. There's a quote from A.Y. Jackson, it's my favorite, it's when he's first approached by the Group of Seven to be part of them, and it's, it's, do you still have this painting? And he says, do I still have this painting? I still have every single painting I've ever created. <laughs> and it, so it speaks to the idea that all artists have a struggle. Not everybody's gonna mm -hmm. get your work. Not mm -hmm. everybody's gonna get that thing that you do. Uh, but you know, the, the world's a lot richer for, for the Group of Seven sticking with that dream. And I think that's why, that's why I love the Group of Seven and why I felt it well, was worth doing. You keep struggling because we wanna see what you're doing all of the time. <laughs> We have a questionnaire, one more now, that isn't on you, that is a general questionnaire that we have been giving to our guests. At the end of each television show, The Actors Studio, host James Lipton borrowed from the Bernard Pivot and Marcel Proust questionnaires, and he'd find out some really interesting things about his guests' personalities. <laughs> We've adapted Lipton's questionnaire, and now we would like to ask you the Arts at Nine questionnaire. Are you ready, Tyler? I hope so. <laughs> So try your best to give a one word or a few words answer. Okay, I'll see. First thing that comes to your mind, you ready? Right. What is your favorite word? Commemorate. What is your least favorite word? Troubled. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Uh, Canadian people and landscape. What turns you off? Authoritarianism. What is the sound or noise you love? The sandal crane. What is the sound or noise you hate? Roaring engine. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Professional fisherman. <laughs> what profession would you not like to do? Roofing because it's incredibly hard work. <laughs> <laughs> what is your principal fault? I think I could be quite hard on myself. And what would you like to be remembered for? Making the world just, our Canada, just a, a little brighter artistically. Thank you. You did very well on that. Thank <laughs> you to the Sudbury Arts Council for arranging this chat. And thank you, Tyler Fauvel, for speaking with us today. You are a true inspiration. Thank you very much, Judy. And now, because Tyler Fauvel is filled with Canadian pride, this seems to be more than appropriate to play for him. Sudbur Sudburyan Kevin Kloss's O Canada.
beautifully done by Sudbury's Kevin Kloss. Well, John, you're back from your union break. What do you think? What, what a great show today. Oh, my goodness. Like, Kevin Kloss is O Canada. What a beautiful piece of music that is. Absolutely. And Tyler Fovell. Wow. I, I had no idea. I became a fan um, of course, when we did the Ballad of Stompin' Tom, yes, I have had my photograph taken with the statue outside the arena. But I never realized the breadth of his work that is across the country. I did not know until I started working on it. And when I saw all the media on this October the 17th thing that was just done, and there he is with dignitaries and ambassadors and whatever, and he gets up and speaks about his inspiration and doing... Yeah. He, anyway, he, he's under-the-radar kind of guy, quiet, unassuming, under-the-radar. And we are so proud of him as, as a Sudbarian, absolutely. So, John, who's coming up next week? Oh, who is coming up next week? Well, I know for sure Alessandro, Alessandro Constantini is coming from Yes Theatre. So we may have to extend the show by an hour. Because, I would say, no. <laughs> once he gets started, once there'll be gets so going. much to talk about. Yeah. And we're still looking for those shout-outs. Uh, how are. do people send a shout-out to you? Listeners can send their shout-out to communications, with an S, at Sudbury Theatre. .ca, and it's a shout-out of your favourite artists um, from Sudbury and area who we may not think about or know about even. There are hundreds of them that we oh, won't so think many. about and know about, so please send that shout-out. We, we want to include as many artists as we possibly can. And we encourage you to click on the Donate button at CKLU Radio or at the Sudbury Theatre Centre on their homepage or your favourite arts organisation. Thanks to those who helped with this week's show, Megan Karchi from the Sudbury Arts Council, STC Zalana Renschel and Ben Whiteman, Downtown Sudbury's Maggie LeBlanc, and the Canada Council for the Arts. I'm Judy Strawn. And I'm John McHenry. And remember what Einstein said, creativity is contagious. Pass it on. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye for now.